Start things off as Aaron is walking in. Welcome in, Skinny on Sports, 981 FM, 1240 AM, KADS, the sports animal. I sound a little hot. I never know how high to turn myself when I'm not on that side, especially on this mic. Happy Wednesday feels like Tuesday, which is a nice thing to wake up to, especially that in rain as well. Aaron, you there? Right. I'm over the rain. You're, you're, <laughs> you're done with the rain. I'm over the rain. You're done with it. It's official. It's official. Now you can complain about the rain. I'm over it. Messing with plans, is it? Messing with, yeah, year-long plans. Yeah. Coming up on Friday and Saturday. I'm over it. That is true, because there's like a better chance of rain this I'm looking here. This weekend than Max there was like last night. Looking yeah. here, it says 40 on some uh, Friday, then 70 Friday night. And 60 on Saturday. It's just not great. Not, you know. Well, will you be okay with it if it came at night like it did last absolutely. night? Absolutely. What happened last night? Absolutely. It's not during the day. Not during the day. No. I mean, the worst it could do is just make it car path only. That's it. It's not the worst it could do. It could rain the whole thing out. Well, at night? Oh, you mean if it rained at night? Yeah, you wake yeah. up to blue sky and some wet. That would be fine. Fairways, that's fine. <clears throat> you know what today is? Well, like I said, it's Wednesday, which is nice because I thought it was Tuesday for about an hour this morning. With the weather. It's, <laughs> this is weather-related. You know what today is? What is what is today? It's the 10-year anniversary of the historic El Reno tornado. Yeah. It remains the largest recorded tornado in U.S. history, 2.6 miles wide. At its widest. A crazy fact about that one, I think it was designated as an EF3. Because people tend to forget that that means that that rating comes from how much it uh, it damages or destroys. Right? It, and fortunately, it did damage a lot. But unfortunately, it did lead to some fatalities. But yeah, it, it you'd think something like that, oh, that's just automatic EF5. That's yeah, at times it was, but I think, like you're saying, the overall course of it. Right. Yeah, it was wild. And it was not yeah, only I that, but that. it was kind of a – it was an odd the way it moved. Just And that was yeah. what led to some of those fatalities from long time, storm-chasing people, that uh, it just didn't work out very well. How about, yeah, I saw that pop up this morning, uh, thinking about the weather. What do you got on your mind today? Well, I almost uh, – thank you, by the way, for the burrito. I almost waited until we went on air to eat it, to let everybody enjoy it. That would have been a Sean Wilson move. It would have. To eat on the air. <laughs> uh, I wonder if everybody yeah. enjoys that when that happens. They're, they're still listening. <laughs> it feels like I'm on EE again. Yeah. <laughs> 
What are you thinking uh, about the debt ceiling, no. Jared? <laughs> I don't know. Insert comment in the middle of it. President Brandon finished the comment. And I just gave you the typical answer. We don't want to go there. Why not? Uh, we can get in trouble. <laughs> I feel like we can get in trouble. Okay. All right, coming up on the show today. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, looks like there's a chance realignment. The realignment wheels are spinning. That's true. Back here to the Big 12. Colorado is now a betting favorite to be a Big 12 member. Who else will ultimately who else comes? Ultimately what does the Big 12 look like in say 4 years? And really and truly I think we need to bring that timeline down to 2024. Because there's no reason, you know, for it not to. Uh, the SEC having, having their spring meetings, big discussion, big controversy about how many conference games to play. So we can kind of hash that out. What are the advantage or advantages or disadvantages to an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule? Uh, Oklahoma and Texas will not get to vote on this because they aren't officially members of the SEC, but they will be in the room voicing opinion. And then if it was you, what would you like to see? How many conference games do you want to be played? Man, Live Golf and PGA versus the PGA just keeps kind of coming up. And I think that's a testament to the fact that Live Golf is gaining a little bit of airspace here. Jack Nicholas had some comments yesterday that made the Live supporters mad. John Rahm talked about the Ryder Cup and Live Golf and how, you know, some comments there. And so, you know, what ends up happening at the end of the day? How does this kind of, ha- does it ever hash itself out? Or is this a conversation that's going to be going on for years to come? Or is there some sort of compromise? Is there some sort of change that's able to be made in order to uh, to make both sides maybe not happy, but at least coexist? as live continues to either grow or eventually they fizzle out and none of this matters anyhow. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698 if we have enough time at the end. There's some athletes right now that are being very courageous. And there was one that cowered down. 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show, log on to kadsam.com. Or download the Paragon Communications app. The app has it all. It's got radio. It's got the Penny News. It's got Big Elk and Paragon TV. By the way, Penny News, brand new edition. Hit the website last night at midnight. Check out the new deals, thepennynews.com. And, of course, the print edition will start to filter out tonight. By tomorrow morning, you can go pick up a free copy of the Penny News just about anywhere you can hear our voice. you got the Skinny on Sports podcast if you miss the show entirely. Check us out anywhere podcasts drop or our website, kadsam.com, is a foolproof way to do that because it's posted there each and every day. Hello, Jared. How are you? Uh, I'm not the greatest, but whatever. It is what it is. Anything um, I can do to help? Not you, really. Are you good? Nope, you're fine. Is this something I did? Nope. All right. Not at all. Um, did you have any ball last night? 
No, but I was actually at the softball field replacing a sprinkler head, which is an incredible project, just to replace one of them. You know what I did last night? What'd you do? I'd see. I've got all these. If you'll notice, well, I can't, it's hard to get all that stuff out from underneath my fingernails. I've got a Band-Aid here. got a cut on my hand here. I'll have some bruising in this area of my forearm. I got. Uh, I went down and replaced the batteries in my golf cart. Mm, yeah. What a horrible process that is. Yeah, I bet. I've been working on mine, my, my gas golf cart. So there's four new batteries, one of which had, had handles yeah. on top. Right. I don't know how much extra it was to get the ones with handles on top, but that is a must. To get those out of there? To get them in and out yeah. more efficiently. And so see, the, the bad part was, as, as I started having a little trouble, I went ahead and filled the old ones up with as much, you know, make sure it wasn't like a water issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know what that does? What's that do? Just makes them heavier to get out oh, of there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I'm going to be, I'm, my back, my lower back is getting a little sore. Like I said, I've got all these little scratches on my hands from just kind of, as you're moving in and out, that, that, that space is so confined that it's hard to. Yeah. It's hard to be free and clean as you do that. And I scratched off my knuckle here, my middle knuckle. Pretty good hunk out of it. It was bleeding everywhere. But guess what? After a couple of different attempts, it is back running. We're good. Charging. To my knowledge, we didn't have a battery fire in the cart barn that burned everything down Ooh. last night. So I was looking pretty positive on the old golf cart front at the moment. We're good. Feels good. That's good. Good good job. Feels very good. Good job. Thank it reminds you. me of my project. I I need to give a shout out to um Clouds. Clouds Lawn. Clouds Lawn. Thank you. I don't know what their proper name. Clouds Lawn. I needed one little part that I didn't have. I was like, well go check them out. They might help you out. So I went over <clears> there. They're not like a retail shop. Right. You, know, you just can't go in and then grab a shopping cart. So I told them what I'm looking for. They came out and got it. So, well, we'll bill you. I mean, it's a little part, maybe an inch long. I said, okay, yeah, I'll pay whatever. No problem. And I got a text that said, hey, boss man said Merry Christmas. We're not going to charge you on for that. Well, very so good. I said, well, thank you. I, I will highly recommend you guys. They're very helpful. Very good. Helped out the Canute softball field over there. Helped us out. Because we were having a leak, which was creating a hole, in not in the field of play, but – on the foul side, mm -hmm. inside the fence, and bad deal. You don't want a kid dropping in there and twisting an ankle or worse. So, working on that to to alleviate that, to stop that from happening. So that's what I did. I had to carry. You mentioned carrying heavy, carry buckets of dirt to fill that hole up. Yeah, cause I couldn't drive over there, you know. Anyhow, pretty night though, and then wake up to some rain middle of the night. Yeah, it was about. I don't know three, three thirty. Is that the time I heard when it start raining? Came through? Yeah, I, I just I heard I just, it start. It rained really hard for just a I don't know, not long. But it was. I mean, it did rain really hard there for a little bit, and then it kind of fizzled out. A little bit of lightning, a little bit of thunder, but not nothing. Nothing nah. overly serious. I mean, when I hear it, I check my phone. Is it severe? Look at the radar. Ah, this is good. Heavy rain. That's all it is. Which so is what's what on we've, tap what today? We've gotten. I don't know. 
for some reason my weather app will not get off of Shawnee, Oklahoma. Seeing mostly sunny through the day, 30% chance after 1 a.m. I feel like tomorrow, at least out in the, the Texas panhandle, is the chance for the for a little bit more severe weather. You know, here lately, yeah, you're right, in this pattern that we've had over the past, what, two weeks maybe, three weeks? There ha- there's been very, very, very little severe weather here. There's been some out in the panhandle. There was last night even up in the Texas and Oklahoma panhandle as the stuff came from the mm-hmm. came down uh, from the northwest to the southeast, which is historically not the severe weather route. It's normally southwest to northeast. Uh, but it's, it was severe up there, and then once it got kind of down into the middle of the panhandle and toward western Oklahoma, it fizzled out just into some nice strong that's what they would, why they call it a strong thunderstorm, and little lightning, little thunder, yeah. rain. They it's kind of like what you're looking for. Yeah. So. Well, good stuff. Very good stuff. Hoping it. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I don't want it to rain during the day. On, well, I don't want it to rain during the day tomorrow through Sunday. We got a end of season tournament coming up, and regular season games i like to get those in it just feels like every time we're playing in tournaments or something we're getting rained out it's happened twice so far this year I'd like to finish out a tournament but i'm not complaining about the rain you are <laughs> i just said i'm almost over it almost over it for a little bit i'm not asking it to go away for months so, do you have a contingency plan for no. if what it do do? if it rains out, it rains out? I guess. Darn. I guess so. Boy, I'm glad I'm not on the return of that deal. Oof. I'm re- I mean, I don't know how that works. I, I don't know that it's ever. I've, I've since I have been involved mm-hmm. by either playing or or on the, the committee like I am now, I can only remember one day where part of it got rained out. Yeah. It was years ago. And maybe two. Maybe there were there have been two, like, either. So I know the one time <clears throat> on, a fr- on Friday we played. morning. The morning wave got done. The afternoon a- noon wave was... I don't know, two or three holes, four holes, whatever it was in, and then it was just done. You know, thunderstorms come through, and it's, you know, time-wise, you don't have time and, you know, a bunch of rain and and all that. So then it was just one, but then the next day was was fine. So this is a little bit different where it looks like, "Hmm." who knows? Yeah. This could be uh, be an interesting weekend to say the least, which really kind of stinks because everyone, I think, was looking forward to being able to show off how good the golf course is right now. Of course, the building's out there that everyone can see still in, you know, construction phase, obviously, but, you know, there's still plenty of... Yeah, Scotty Kelly, I am. I'm, I'm not I'm not over it. I just wanted to stop for two days. <laughs> I should have rephrased... I should have phrased that better. It can rain all it wants to, except for, well, not all it wants to, 
but Friday and Saturday just don't rain. And even if it rained, you know, light rains for just a little bit, that's fine too. I mean, I'm not being, I'm not being Debbie Downer here. Just not a complete washout. Just not, yeah. That's all I'm asking yeah. for. Don't have thunderstorm after thunderstorm rolling through here, and you know how that happens sometimes. Yep. That's all I'm asking. That's it. All right. So the live golf. Did you see what Jack said yesterday? I did not. Man, he took this one. What do you say? He took a ton of flack for, I think, pretty innocent comments, I would say. I mean, when when I read them, I didn't immediately go, oh, no, Jack's going to get attacked by the by the live golfers or whatnot. He just essentially said, with what's going on, he doesn't he doesn't consider he, he doesn't really he's kind of out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. with the live golf guys because they're they're not on the tour so he doesn't really consider him, consider them to be a part of the golf because it's not the circle he runs in and and he made the comment that uh they've got you know memorial is this week the tournament he puts on at his golf course at Muirfield Village and that they have that he has the best field that he can have which is all true but the live golf fans immediately jump on him say well you don't have two of the last three major winners why is it just why my question is why is it just down to three the last three you know by the way one of those two was on the pga tour when he won that major cam smith last year at the open and then later on defected over to live so it's really just brooks kepka out of the last eight and six of those are there so i think that there's there's so much twisting of of words to try to support whatever view you have on live and pga you know some people are staunchly on the pga side some people people are staunchly on the live side some people are just kind of hanging out in the middle going, I can't wait to see what happens. That's me. I kind of am too. Uh, I mean, by all accounts that we've received, the the live event in Tulsa was, was a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it all just almost seems a little bit manufactured. And at the end of the day, is this – is do people really – I mean, does Brandel Chambly really care that much? about the live golf hatred that he portrays on golf channel does he really care that much or is it just manufacturing this to keep it in the news cycle to keep golf relevant without you know who out there playing that's a good point i yeah and back to the you know to the golf channel thing it's clear that they're instructed oh my gosh it's clear guys this is live bad, PGA good, and this is how we're going to portray it. But I'm with you. I don't think they truly believe that. I think the 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 most, I think the majority of golf fans is like what you and me are like is just sit back and see what happens. And I'm kind of leaning towards. I kind of alluded to this a couple of weeks ago with Jim about how how. Uh, you know, Liv's not going to overtake PGA. I understand that, but 
if there's a live event versus a PGA event that's not a major, I'm going to watch the stars. I'm going to watch the names. I could care less if it's PGA or live. I just want to watch good golf, fun golf, and intriguing golf. And I get that a little bit with live over these non-major PGA events. And but when it's a when it's a major, you're absolutely you're you're darn tootin'. I'm watching the major. Well, and especially here's the deal. But the field matters. It, it, it's yeah, who's it playing. And 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 with what this memorial's coming up, those names you mentioned that will be there, or, or that you know, I, I I will watch. The the field matters. I could care less if it's PGA or live. It's who's playing against who. Who's paired with who. Who's in the running on cut day? Who's all that? St- you know that that that's what gets my attention. Yeah, and it's and the PGA Tour kind of did this so did this to themselves in the race to try to keep up money wise with what live the purses and the winners check and all that. So they they created these designated events, which guess what, the memorial is, and then they created these non designated events to where you see. The field is so much weaker than what it would have been without any changes, and that's on the. It's just in that it was like a ready fire aim situation, mm-hmm. where the PGA Tour was not prepared to make the changes that they made when they made them. You know, it just it happened so fast that they've almost put made it to. They've almost went kind of the live model in a lot of ways. You know, like Colonial is is a golf course that when you listen to the players talk, they all love playing that tournament. And that's the only reason they got the, the, the some of the guys in the field last week that they got is because of the golf course itself. But it also gets pushed to the kind of pushed that back on the back burner because it doesn't have that designated status. And that's all that has nothing to do with live golf. The PGA Tour did that to themselves. And so when, like last week, when it, when it is a live event going up against a non-designated event, guess what? The PGA Tour is going to look like the lesser, unless it's a perfect storm. Unless it would have been Max Homa versus Scotty Scheffler down the stretch. Liv is going to look more enticing field-wise because of the guys that they have playing. And that's it's kind of the beauty of what they've done is with, with just 48 guys and the makeup of those 48, it's going to be really hard for a live event to go down the stretch and not be fairly intriguing with who's up at the top of the leaderboard. Right. On the PGA Tour, especially in the non-designated events, it's going to be kind of hard to get the perfect storm. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating to see what will happen. You know, John Rahm came out and, and the discussion immediately started about uh, the Ryder Cup as soon as Brooks, Brooks Kepka finished off the PGA Championship. That moved him to number two in the points. And, you know, how is that all going to be handled with that event being a, you know, it's just kind of up in the air with all the tours and how that's going to work. You know, and Rom, who has staunchly 
defended the PGA Tour from the word get-go. I mean, outside of Rory McIlroy, he has been absolutely at the forefront, the face of the tour. Ryder Cup isn't the same thing in his mind. You know, because the, the Sergio Garcia question has been asked and him being on live, and he said, are you really telling me that the, the greatest Ryder Cup player of all time, if capable of playing, can't? What are we doing here? And, and, I, th- and I think a lot of the fans are in that same boat. If it comes to a Ryder Cup, if it comes to the majors, everybody wants to see the best players play, period, end of story, and nobody gives a damn what tour they're playing on. Exactly. Give me, give me Cam. You know, Phil and the Masters. You know, Kepka, or on the other side, Rory or JT or Spieth or whoever. Nobody cares. No, they don't. You know what they put beside their name? Like the flag of the country they're in. They don't put Live or PGA. That's right. Yeah. Nobody cares. Give me the best players in those high-profile major events, and I think everybody will be happy. What? In your mind, how is there a, is there ever kind of a, any sort of reconciliation? Is there ever, what what? Sorry, I just got breaking news. What is what what happens with this stuff? Okay, as a fan, what I want to see is straight up. I'll play pay per view for it. PGA versus Live. So like a, a Ryder Cup style. Match. Yeah, that's what I want to see happen. I think though. I think uh, that'd be fun for me, but what I think I think we're seeing what's happening. I think we're going to see guys play the live events because it's fun. It's one round less. It's more money. I they wear shorts. I mean, all that stuff. But they're going to come back for the major. I think that's what it is. They just have more tours. Yeah, you have the live tour. You have the DP World Tour. You have the Corn Ferry. You have the PGA. Yeah. So do you, th- you do you ever listen, think listen it'll do you ever balance see out live guys it, I, getting to play in the on a PJ tour event again? Do you think that animosity eventually goes away? Yes, it does. Because what I just said, I think it all kind of just balances out. They're going to learn to live with it. Learn to live with live. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it just balances out. Or one of two scenarios: it balances out. They learn to live with it, and everything I said would happen. Or the live just goes away. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it sure doesn't seem like that's happening. It's not happening. I thought this was going to be kind of the version of the uh, you know, first and second version of the XFL. We'll get a couple years of it, then it's just going to go away. It's just not going to work. What's working? So I think the, the scenario will be they learn to live with it. You know, we get more of a, those guys are going to play those live events. When it's convenient for them, like the travels less or more money, all that stuff. And then the majors are always going to be the big dogs. They're going to be the majors, and you're going to get those fields that you expect at year in and year out. Hey, it's quite frankly, there's no reason for those live guys to even consider going back to the tour if they can play in the majors. Exactly. There's no sense in it. Now, what would make me worry, and it will never happen, is what if a guy says, you know what, the purse over here for the live event is a lot bigger than this U.S. Open. It's not going to happen. It's not yeah. going to happen because the prestige of winning those things is bigger than that's right. The live event. The only the one the one concern if you're a live guy, I I I don't think that they're concerned about being able to play in them. You know what I mean? Like that was a that was a thing at the very first. Is 
will they be able to play these majors? Will they even be able to to qualify for the events? I think that is that part of the, that part of the discussion. I believe is over. They're they're in if they're in. If that makes sense. Yeah. The problem is going to be can they get in? Because the tour has not complete control, but they've got a big. They shake a big stick. When it's cons- when when the official world golf rankings are concerned, and so you know, like Kepka Kepka wins the PGA, he goes to the Live event this week in DC and top tens, and he falls a spot in the official world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like like our like our dark horse game, we're gonna have to make that number way more than top twenty five. Because we'll pick Brooks Kepka every single time, you know, because yeah. he's going to be he's going to be able to be in the quote unquote dark horse every major because of the way that the world golf ranking. So I, I think that's the next hurdle maybe to cross for live golf to to stay relevant and and even become more attractive to some other guys is that the official world golf, world golf rankings, the points that you amassed by playing in on the live tour get better get get you know you just get more points that way you can you can be able to to play that tour and still qualify to play the majors with the ease that you can do it on the tour it may never be equal because of size of fields and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but the strength of the fields in the live golf versus the strength of the fields in the non-designated tournaments live golf wins that every time because of the quality with the quantity that they have. Right. I I'm I'm actually I'm I'm pretty surprised how quickly it feels like this is this has changed a little bit. There was a lot of vitriol for Liv when it first came in and I know. there's more understanding. Like and I think that's why I answered your question like that. I think it's learning to live with it. I think it's just well, and, and and the thing is, the PG, I think the PGA Tour allowed it to be a better product when it goes up against the non-designated events, and and right. then people get to see that and go, "Wait a minute, what are we doing here?" I think that what live what they had best going for them was uh, like this sense of trying not to reinvent the wheel you know what i mean and and listening to the people it's like kind of that's everything we heard about the tulsa event was this feels like your hometown tournament right you get the music going they're wearing shorts everyone's having fun but they're still playing golf and playing golf at a high level yeah a question on the text line what happens if the saudis just move on to another point of interest or another project i mean the, the reason it is what it is. Yeah, but the, I mean, the reason we're talking about this is because, you know, in the last couple of weeks, they've come out. I mean, to make it, they're not doing that. They're not going anywhere, and even increasing the schedule a little bit, looking for different venues. I mean, they're about to go play at Valderrama. That is one of the greatest golf courses in the world over in Spain. I mean, it's hosted Ryder Cups. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, so the, you know, the quality of what they're playing, is pretty outstanding. And and I think that to see what happened at Tulsa, 
The crowds at DC look pretty pretty good. It wasn't as sparse as those first couple, you know, that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like it's gaining steam, and I think that that in, in turn allows the Saudis to continue this to continue on because they're starting to at least not lose everything. You know, if, if that's even a worry to them with all the money that they have. But surprise it's happened this fast. To where there, it, there seems like the the acceptance of the live, it, it, it's happened faster than I thought it would. Yeah. And I wonder what players on tour are starting to maybe have that same thought and if we don't see some, some bigger names leaving even again. Yeah. Hanging out here on a overcast, cool, nice Wednesday morning. It is, you know. You know, why was I fixing a sprinkler head when we don't need to use it? <laughs> it is what it is, Jared. As we know, they could stop Mother like, Nature can shut off the valve yeah. at any point. Yeah. All right, so the SEC is having their spring meetings this week down in Destin, Florida. I'll tell you what, that may be the one of the biggest um, – hang on a minute. It's only better than the XFL because of the – now, see, I don't agree with that at all. It's better than the XFL because it's got world-class players talking about live. Right, if if – the XFL didn't have Cam yeah. Smith and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. Well, I mean, that would be like, you know, let's say Aaron Rodgers decides to go over to the XFL instead of the Jets. Right. That's Yeah, that's the difference. I mean, the money helps, obviously. Don't get me sure wrong. Sure it does. But, but, I, know what but the, I know what he's saying. You know, and what, the money attracted those players. There's yeah. no doubt. But the product is so much more. The, the product is, if you watch it, it's not only equal, but in some weeks it's better than the than the main thing. Well, a fine example was when it was in Tulsa, when you had your playoff at the Live versus who down in Dallas. So yeah, I mean that. Yeah, there's ne- there's never been there's not an XFL team or teams where you go. But the, oh yeah, they could do yeah, it. But they the could second be in the playoff. second part of that text is the real question: Can it build until it's viable by itself? That, that's the that's a good question. I don't know. Can it, can it can it do that? I mean, where the Saudis aren't funding it, uh, where where merch and ticket prices and all that stuff. I don't know. Sponsorships. It's all about TV. It's all about sponsorships and TV. TV. If it can, that's a great question. If it can build to where it's not on the CW and it's actually it's not preempted by Family Feud. You know, it it happened again the other day. Are you kidding me? But it but it went it it did it and then it went right back. <laughs> Someone yeah. made a phone call. Hey, turn it we're, back. We're sitting there. Because, you know, after it happened the first time, it came out PGA, I guess the week of the PGA, that no, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, we're sitting there. Harold Varner's kind of coming up the last hole with a lead. And then Steve Harvey's on again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be. And, but it was like <laughs> 10 seconds, and then it was back. American TV is the key. That's 100% correct. Yeah. Get off the CW. Get on You know, yeah. Get, get on a major network. Or, I guess Big Four, whatever. Get That's one right. of those. And, and, you, and you wonder, you know. Who's going to cross that line? You wonder who would do it. You know, Fox was in the golf for a little bit with the U.S. Open. I thought they did a great job with it when they did it. Could it be them wanting to get back in it? You know, ABC's kind of out of the golf game. 
for the most part now. Is that something that maybe they want to do? But as woke as the people at ESPN seem to be with that tie to ABC and ESPN, I would highly doubt that. But we'll see. That is, I mean, if they can... Why would Fox get in bed with the Saudis? Because they all already are. They are. I mean, we all know they are. It's just some of it's out in the open and some of it's not. Which is why the the hypocrisy of the PGA Tour is so... (laughs) That's the one thing that bothers me about the tour part of it. Because I'm more of a purist of the game. Yeah. But but let's not pretend. It's all like sunshine and rainbows with the sponsorship and the the off the course stuff with with the sponsors and all that kind of thing with the PGA Tour. It's the same thing. It's just different. It's not just front and center. Okay, so this meeting's down in Destin. A big concern and a big talking point, and a vote will happen this week, is how many conference football games will each school play within the SEC once so Oklahoma and Texas are there. The two models being discussed are the one that they've always done, which is an eight-game SEC schedule. The newer model would be a nine-game. So here's how this would work. If it's eight, each school would have one permanent rival and then play seven other games round-robin. And it almost it gets back a little bit more toward the divisions, and then you don't get to see everybody as often. As in the nine game, you would have three permanent rivals. That and it's your your three aren't the same as the three that are with you, right? It's mm-hmm. not just it's not like a pod. Those kind of jump around with the three, and then you play six other games. Meaning, if you're a freshman, a true freshman in 2024 you will play every school in the SEC home and away. In the nine game? In the nine game. You'll play everybody in four years. Right now, it's like every, what, 10 or 12 it comes around? Yeah. I think Georgia and Alabama played in 2008 and 2009, and they didn't play again until like 2019 and 2020 because of the the, the way that the – the uh, divisions are. So it's trying to get away from that. And it's just how off the surface, which one of those is the most enticing to you? Uh, The nine game. Why? Well, for two reasons. One that you just said that the, it, it would help as a conference recruit players, keep players in the SEC when you can tell them, you get to play everybody by the time you're done, which is rare. I mean, for someone to stay, you know, with the transfer portal and, you know, early entry NFL, all that stuff. But still, it's a, it's a recruiting tool, and it just makes the conference better as a whole. And it makes it better that you, you get nine quality opponents, you know, even the Vanderbilts of the world. I'd rather be playing Vanderbilt than South Alabama or, you know, Middle Tennessee State. In September, does that make sense? So the quality of play and 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 all that, I'd I'd, rec- I'd like the nine schedule. Yeah, I mean the the arguments against it, the arguments for the eight is it's easier to get bowl eligible. 
because you can replace a conference game with a nobody, mm-hmm. and that gets you closer to the six-win threshold that it currently takes to make a bowl game. But and out, what, outside of bowls that matter, do, does anybody care? Of course, it, no, nobody cares, but what does it do? It keeps people's jobs. Yeah, you could. I guess you could put that on your... It does. I, I, mean, I made the team bowl eligible. I got them bowl eligible. Yeah, yeah. We, we've gone to eight bowls in a row, or whatever it is. Sure, yeah. You know, that's it's just... I got them there. A lot of them opted out, but I got them there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if if you're Oklahoma last year, you'd be damn glad that it was an eight-game schedule instead of a nine, or you wouldn't have gone to a bowl for the first time in not, since 98, or what have you, yeah. with the way the season went. So that's, that's one of the things that's definitely um, on the minds of the schools, what you'd almost say maybe lesser schools. The ones, you know, the Vandys or yeah, you know, whoever. Yeah, I could say that's why they would lean. Trying to, yeah. trying to be able to get to six and six or seven and five, which you'll be the difference in keeping your job and not. But I don't see any way that the networks are going to allow them to have eight games because of the inventory they're going to have to fill with the new TV deals. The networks are going to want to see another conference game and not the Citadel versus Alabama. In November. Yeah. Or, you know, UCO versus Oklahoma in <laughs> November or whatever it might be. That's just not what they're going to want to see. That'd be wild. And it's, pre- it's pretty interesting. Greg Sankey is clearly, he was the SEC commissioner for those that don't know, he is clearly in favor of the nine-team model and said, said as much. But he took an interesting approach to uh, one of one of his uh, reasons why, and he used SEC baseball hmm. and talked about how they have a thirty-game conference schedule, which means there's ten three-game series, and how important that was come Monday or Sunday, I guess, on Selection Sunday. Monday. It was Monday, right? It was Monday. Yeah, okay. When you look at the of the 16 regionals, eight of those are hosted at SEC schools. Ten of the 14 SEC schools are in the 64-team field. And he believes that a big part of that was the competition that's on that schedule due to playing more conference games and how he thinks that can help when you look at what's coming with the twelve team playoff, yeah, and and all the metrics that are that are starting to be used, it's a great point. There, so here's how this is going to work: Oklahoma and Texas will be in the room. They will be able to be in the meetings. The, the discussions of all of this will happen, but they do not get a vote because they are not an official member. So eight. So it's like they're lawyers. Kind of, I guess. You gotta persuade the jury. And and I would I don't know what I'm not sure about Texas, but I know on the Oklahoma side, a big part one of one of the most attractive things about making this move was having that extra conference game, i.e. having another marquee game on Owen Field. For the commerce of it, for the for the fans and the enjoyability of the schedule, which quite frankly this year, if you look at it, is lacking on your home field. And one other thing it's going one other thing that I think probably wins out 
is rivalries. The SEC schools, the, the, the legacy schools that have been there, think about almost every single one of them, and it's multiple rivals. Yep. You know, it's Alabama-Auburn, but it's also Alabama-Tennessee. Correct. You know, it's Georgia-Florida, but it's also Georgia and Auburn. You know, Florida-Georgia, but it's also Florida and Tennessee. You know, LSU and Alabama. Oh, LSU and Arkansas. You know, and so, and you could go all the way through the entire conference is like this. And so, are those teams that are kind of on the eight-game approach willing to let those long-standing rivalries go? Well, that's an interesting question because if it's Texas A&M, I'm sure they're going to want Texas to be their rival. And Texas wants OU. Right. I mean, sometimes has to give if you do the eight game, and that. See, that's where I was going to get. I was. That's where I was going to get to because although they don't have a vote in this. I think Oklahoma and Texas can speak from experience, both of them, when it comes to what happens losing some of these rivalry games. Like losing the Nebraska OU game? Exactly where I was headed on the Oklahoma side. Sure, Oklahoma-Texas stayed. Sure, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State stayed. But what is maybe the most historic – the you know, when you think of OU – yeah, Texas, but you also think Nebraska immediately jumps to your mind on all those classic games they played for all those years, right? And just and how important that game was each and every year well, until might, it wasn't, right? You might give they might give some warning, like listen, even but they when when they went to twelve, what was it? Every other year they played every two, every two years, yeah. And it lost its it lost its luster a little bit. The only reason it the, the the only it did at first because OU was terrible. Then it regained it in 2000 and 2001 because it was four number one. But then in 03 and 04, or I guess 04 and 05, it kind of went. And Nebraska went off the That's cliff, right. and OU skyrocketed, and there was not. You know, well, in 05, neither team was very good. They played in a championship game that was 06. Like 2010. You winning like 21 to seven or something. The last one, the last the last Big 12 title game with the original members was OU Nebraska. Down in was it Jerry World or was it in the uh, it was San Antonio. Was it? Well, yeah, I mean I know they played Taylor Martinez. One of them was in. Oh yeah, that was in Dallas. Yeah, or Arlington. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. One, one of them was Kansas City. The one you're talking about was Kansas City. I'm thinking 06. about the Kansas City one. I forgot about the Taylor Martinez one. Yes, that was the last. Big 12 title game with all 12 original Big 12 members. I refer to that as the price-making game. Yeah, exactly. But that's who it was. Defensively, he had like four sacks. Never, I just remember Taylor Martinez and his shot put throw across the middle intercepted in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Kind of sealed it. But I, I think that is the one thing that Oklahoma and Texas can add to, the, can add to this conversation in support of the nine-game model is, listen, Tennessee, or whoever it might be. I just I just saw Tennessee on my screen, and so I said to them, what are you going to do? What's your choice going to be? Because here's the problem for them. 
Alabama's choice is Auburn. Right? You would, Yeah, I would think so. So... How, you know, that's just kind of and, – and that's, to me, one of the biggest parts that make college football as special as it is, is those games. Those rivalry games. Yes. Yeah. And so the more of those you can keep alive, I think, would be – is for the betterment of everybody. Not only – maybe not maybe it's not because if you if you go through a rough patch and you're not making bowls and then it's hard to get back maybe that's the whole thought of it but for the if you want to look at the good of the game and it does feel like if there's any conference out there that kind of bands together it's the SEC so i would i would be pretty surprised if it's not a nine game schedule but i'm also pretty surprised that it's gotten this far with eight being in a in consideration mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens at the end of the week but uh question was on the text line yes oklahoma and texas will be in the discussion but no they do not have a vote just 14 and it takes a simple majority it takes eight votes either way to approve either of the models that are out there so something to look forward to at the end of the week as we get set for baseball regionals the women's college world series also have this brewing in the background well conference realignment do you have you seen who is a betting favorite i did to be back in the big 12 i did i did a familiar big 12 member in um uh, colorado colorado i'd add a little cachet to the conference get prime time and in the big 12 but i read or heard that one Deion sanders has to sign off on it if they want to do it yeah and from what i've seen he does and a big part of why he chose colorado with the with what the landscape was was he believed that colorado was going to come back to the big 12 he wanted to come back to the big 12 why because he thought he could get back into texas scott hit it right on the head on the text line oh with recruiting with recruiting get colorado back into texas because of his connections in the lone star state and that is how you get Colorado back to the powerhouse that it was in the late 80s, early 90s. And that's what Coach Prime believes can happen. It's so interesting that it is Colorado. And it feels like that, just to finish your thought, it feels like that the Big 12 is on more stable ground right now than the Pac-12. Oh, 100%. 100%. They've already got their TV deal locked in. Pac-12 is trying as hard as they possibly can not to have to go streaming only and get a network to sign off and they're having a hard time doing it i think a big part of why the networks are not not taking the bait is because they don't believe that the pac-12 is going to exist not at all and and if it does exist nothing like it is right now no i think it's interesting that colorado is the is the first team back though because of all the teams that left the original Big 12, and we're talking A&M, Nebraska, Missouri, and Colorado. Colorado seemed like the one that would never return. Kind of the liberal hippies of the West Coast. Well, they felt a little like outliers when they were in the conference. Exactly. Like I mean, it, they made sense to go to go to the Pac-12. To the Pac-12. Yeah. A lot like A&M made sense to go to the SEC. 
But now for them to be the ones returning, I think that is so interesting. And that's where I think you're seeing the influence of Prime. Yeah. And and the fact, not only that, but the administration, the brass there, has his back and, and believes in what he's doing. You know, I think we both kind of always thought, okay, he'll jumpstart this deal, get it rolling, and then see you bye. I wonder if this almost signals more of a commitment to Colorado from him than maybe we thought was there in the beginning. With the way that he's completely gutted his team. To rebuild it. To rebuild it from the bottom up. A guy that's just going to be there for two years doesn't do that. Right. You do that. I mean, you do what he's done. And from all everything I've heard and read is that the mass exodus of players after the spring game was by design. He said – you're cut, you're cut. He was Homer Simpson in that episode of The Simpsons. You're cut, you're cut, you're cut. Got him out of there. So they're, they're going to – that makes sense. You don't commit to a program for two years and gut them and then leave them. Makes total sense. Who else ultimately ends up with Colorado in well, the Big 12? I think you stick in the Pac-12, you look west, I think it's someone like Utah and the two Arizonas. Which seems like a more a natural fit if they're gonna going to defect away from the Pac-12 to find more stable ground, a ship that isn't sinking. Like ah, we're, we we have our natural rival right there with um, uh, Colorado, and we'd be back with BYU if you're Utah and Arizona is they're like well, kind of in the same region in a way. That's right, I think would. Because it feels like Oregon and Washington are in cahoots with the Big Ten. Doesn't it feel like that? So yeah, I, I'd take them off the table for any, for any Big 12 consideration. Yeah, it does. Unless the, unless they just can't get there. Yeah. And well, uh, The Big 12 would gladly take them. I think so. Well, I know so, for sure. But they may be, they may be standing there without a chair. For this first round, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because they're gonna they're they're waiting on that Big Ten <coughs> invitation offer, whereas the Big Twelve is maybe in a little bit faster pace than what the Big Ten would be, because there's also another thing that's hanging out there, and that is what happens to the ACC. You know, we we saw last week or two weeks ago. Those seven schools, the big major universities in those in those states, fed up with the lack of money in the contract they signed that runs clear through twenty thirty six. So, are there is, is there possibilities there for the Big Ten that make them want to kind of slow their roll and, and wait and see if you can get a North Carolina, you know, mm-hmm. a, a Clemson, you know, Notre Dame is still at some point you would think is going to have to be in a conference for all this to work the way that it looks like it's headed to. So who knows? I I just think I don't disagree with who you said. Those four seem like natural, as close to geographic fits as you can have in this landscape of college football and also provide value. And that's another thing that the Big 12 – is able to offer is 
concrete numbers that they've gotten from the networks on these deals to say, okay, this team adds this much. These four add, the, you know, they, they have those in hand to be able to show those schools that might be worried about the, the foundation of what the Pac-12 is. They can see them. They know what it is. And so they also know, at the, all at the same time, they also know that this is what we've got to get from a potential Pac-12 deal to make it make sense to stay. I think that's probably the holdup at the moment. It doesn't. It's obvious that they're not getting those those figures that they need to stay. Otherwise, we wouldn't be to where we are today. Yeah. So the question on the text text line is: How many teams will be in the Big Twelve in two to three years? Sixteen. Is that those four added? Yeah. So it's fourteen this year. Take away two, add four. Yeah. Now I, I'm not going to say. It's those four. I think it's Colorado, then throw in a mystery three. Which those three makes sense. It makes sense. I think it's 16 minimum. Yeah? Think more? I think there's a chance more because... This commissioner seems so proactive in trying to... And isn't it crazy? Just like, when was the announcement? Or or the leaking of the information with OU Texas? Was that 2021? Two summers ago. Okay, so it was 2021. Think about the difference... And the stability and the perceived strength of the Big 12 in those two years. I mean, at that point, it was dead. Stick a fork in the Big 12. It is over. To, my gosh, if it ends up being three major conferences, they're almost clearly in the best place to be the third one, even over the ACC right now. And I think your mark's a huge, huge part of that. Oh, sure. And the upgrade that he is over Bob Bowlesby may be the difference between the Big 12 dying and the Big 12 hanging around as one of the big three. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like a, some kind of horror movie. Yeah, Lazarus came back from the dead. It's crazy what has happened for the Big 12 here. Yeah. And, and I don't know that they're ever going to be on equal footing with either Big 12 or the, the Big 10 or the ACC, but they're going to be pretty close. I mean, the, the distribution numbers from uh, last year are out, and they're not very far behind the SEC. Now, I realize that conference is about to get a major jump in revenues. But you know what? So would the Big 12. Maybe not to the level, but at least close enough where the disparity isn't so wide that they're not going to be able to compete. It's kudos. Brett yep. Yormark, my goodness. No, I hope he doesn't take teams just to take schools. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you don't want to just grab a San Diego State just because you need a 16th team. And what do they really bring to the table sure. other than the San Diego market? And you, you know, you've also heard him. It feels like he's more basketball oriented than yeah. a lot of people are yeah. as well. We'll yeah. talk about it tomorrow. We'll be back. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.